talking about medical 3D printing for a period of almost close to three months. All the different episodes covered interviews with various surgeons across specialties. We discussed with the dentist, maxillofacial and plastic surgeons, with anesthesiologists who've been doing a commendable work in their field. Today, we have another speciality where the application of 3D technology has helped for diagnosis and treatment planning. I have with me Dr. Mahesh from Amrita Institute of Medical Sciences, Kochi, India. Amrita Institute of Medical Sciences, founded by Amma, Mata Amrita Nandamai, is recognized as one of the premier institutes in South Asia. Their commitment to affordable care has been commendable. It has highly qualified healthcare professionals working with highest standards of medical treatment. Dr. Mahesh is a very renowned pediatric cardiologist who understood the application of 3D technology right when it was in its infancy. He found the 3D printing laboratory of Amrita Institute, Kochi, and has been helping all the other specialities to utilize 3D technology to improve and provide higher standards of care. With this, I open this episode for you to hear. Don't forget to subscribe the podcast and hear more interesting conversations coming up. Also, take the advantage of the 10-step framework to implement 3D technology to your workflow. The link to the framework are in the show notes of the podcast. So let's get started. 3D printing technology is pushing the limits of customization, bringing ease to surgical planning and making predictable outcomes. If you are a surgeon wanting to make lives better, you are in the right place. Welcome to the Surgeons in 3D Printing podcast. And now, your host, Dr. Ruchi Pathak Cole, to take you on this beautiful journey. Welcome to the podcast, Surgeons in 3D Printing. Today, I have Professor Mahesh, a pediatric cardiologist from Amrita Institute of Medical Sciences and Research Center, Kochi, India. Dr. Mahesh has been a key person to have set up the 3D Printing Point of Care Center at Amrita Institute of Medical Sciences, Kochi. Hello, Dr. Mahesh. How are you? Hi, Dr. Ritchie. Uh, thank you very much for this uh, a very interesting concept, and I really look forward to the conversation with you. Thank you very much for including me in your podcast. Thank you very much. Uh, so, sir, I would like to ask you, how did you start with 3D printing? Okay, so um, that, that does take me some time back in the past. So I am a pediatric cardiologist. So I've been working at this uh, um, hospital called the Amrita Institute of Medical Sciences and Research Center in Cochin in Kerala. So this is a multi-speciality, uh, big tertiary care hospital. And um, uh, I've been uh, uh, a, a consultant in pediatric cardiology over here for the last 16 odd years. It was about 10 years back that I started the pediatric cardiac MRI program over here. So I had this uh, deep interest in advanced cardiac imaging. So now we set up uh, the country's first congenital heart MRI dedicated program at Amrita in 2010. So at that point of time, I would, um, as an imager, I would be looking, delving deep into uh, patient anatomy, uh, especially with regard to very complex heart disease patients where we are planning complex interventions. So I learned a lot about, you know, understanding cardiac anatomy in the three-dimensional perspective. 
but still i was challenged by you know trying to imagine the entire three dimensional perspective of complex cardiovascular anatomy looking at the computer screens even more challenging was that even after i had figured out the anatomy myself conveying the same information to my surgical colleagues because that's what goes into surgical exactly. planning of complex cases so that was a huge challenge so uh, i used to either draw diagrams or later i started to use play doh the okay. modeling technique used to make models so yeah. i would spend hours on the workstation and from the information that i gathered i would make hot models with play doh and i would present it to my surgeons in my surgical meeting to help us as a team understand the the disorder better and the relationship of the cardiovascular structures to each other better in order to plan interventions and that was round about the time when you know 3d printing was coming into the hands of hobbyists you know 2008 right. to 2010 that's when the patents on the big patents machines expired. were getting over yeah exactly yes and then makerbot had just come up with their desktop printers so it was a very exciting time and you were hearing the exciting things that you know uh, desktop 3d printers could do so i was and the uh, cost had know, also gone down by then cost had gotten down and um, uh, some pioneers like dr shiju new at uh, sick kids in toronto had already started using 3d printing technology to print out uh, hearts from ct yeah. and mri scans exactly so i started exploring that possibility uh, sitting right here in india at that time we didn't have much of a 3d printing environment here in india so now we didn't have the resources we didn't have the machines here we didn't have the software here but yeah. this was technology that i was really looking forward to and um, it was about 2014 or 15 that really challenged by some really complex heart cases um where we really needed to make a decision that's when i first explored the possibility of using 3d printing and at that point of time i collaborated with materialize of belgium and my first two 3d printed heart cases were uh, cases where i sent the imaging data across to materialize and got the 3d prints imported from there and it took a long right. time of course it took close to 3 weeks for the turnaround mm-hmm. but but that made a huge big difference and that really laid the foundation for what was to follow and over the next couple of years we had really understood that we needed to have something right here and fortunately exactly. the old environment 3d printing environment had developed by then and you know we it was possible to actually get affordable 3d printers right here in india the software was also being um, provided here in india and my institution uh, Uh, i'm very grateful to the institution for supporting this um, really um, you know uh, uh, a nascent pathway that we were taking the institution really supported me in establishing a 3d printing lab here so by 2016 we had uh, set up uh, a point wow. of care 3d printing lab right here and since then it's it's been really growing so initially started off just for cardiology but now right. it's like an ecosystem that serves uh, multiple specialties exactly and i would say that uh, setting up of a point of care center is a big thing because uh, it's it's about collaborations with other uh, specialties as well and it's not just not for one person but the person who leads this uh, is is the one who's actually made the way through so uh, what were the different conditions you know the pedia- the cardiology conditions wherein you kind of started with which were the difficult situations so these were situations where um, the children had complex anomalies so the first time that we used 3d printing was for for a boy who was 17 year old at that time and he had this really complex heart disease uh, which was a uh, 
double outlet right a very complex double outlet right yeah dorv is very yeah context of a inverse dextrocardia and uh, he had been diagnosed uh, as an infant but, and he had been to multiple hospitals across the country but he'd been refused surgery every time because his anatomy was really complex and so um, surgeons were unwilling to really operate him because they weren't sure of the outcomes essentially because clinicians right. we as a community were not able to really understand his uh, anatomy in good enough detail so um and and that's where we made the big difference by you know using 3d printing to um uh, come to a decision because a case which had been refused time and time again for 17 years with a 3d print in hand right. 10 minutes for the end team to right decision that yes we could operate him yeah everything was uh, everything was like all in front of you you could hold it you could feel it so, so where it makes the biggest difference is in these complex anatomies we don't really need for simple straightforward cardiac anatomies like you know atrial septal defect or simple vsd or pda right or facing with you know heterotaxy syndromes complex uh, situs anomalies complex intracardiac anomalies uh, complex vascular defects where the, the the 3d spatial relationship of the cardiovascular structures is grossly altered it is incredibly difficult to figure these things out when doing an echocardiogram or even looking at ct mri screen and you can really make out right. what the anatomy right. is very true. Uh, so clearly with the help of a 3d print so um, so even now we use it uh, we reserve it mainly for you know really difficult cases uh, both from a clinical perspective as well as um, in terms of communicating it to the patient's patient or their families also we use it uh, heavily for that as well yeah that's that's another uh, big advantage like even the family can relate it so well and they can actually be communicate that communication goes on very Absolutely, smooth right. very true yeah so uh, i'd like to ask you that uh, you know because uh, as clinicians what i felt like as as a surgeon you can learn so much so but then there is a point wherein you know that engineering aspect is involved so uh, how did you get that team all together because that's that's the trick that's the tricky thing that you have to have the right people because you can't go through the whole path you can to a certain extent but then i think you need that expertise as well um i i i agree with you rochi so but but when we started out it was a purely a clinical initiative to begin with it was a one man show with just me asking for equipment and software and doing everything from end to end from from the imaging on the mri scanner to bringing it into the workstation and segmenting it and then post processing it and um, right up until printing the model up until printing the model taking care to you know right. change the material service the printer of uh, wow you know, <laughs> everything yeah. was being done yeah. and to then, begin with i agree that definitely you do yes, need but, uh, but to sustain it you need a team of people yeah exactly so that yeah, that's what i mean you need a biomedical engineer on the team you need people to assist you with doing uh, exactly. stuff for, particularly for the post processing inventory keeping uh, data maintenance so all of that requires uh, a, a team of people to be there and it's essential to have uh, somebody with a biomedical background who can uh, take care of the hardware as well as somebody with who has some design experience where uh, he is adept at uh, doing the design processes on the for the 3d printing purposes as well so that saves a lot of clinician time 
and um, uh, but even uh, said that uh, the the clinician the clinical team involved also need to be a bit tech savvy and i should i should say they should know about it at least up until the printing of the models uh, what i felt was like design part you can actually when it comes to designing like in your case it was more so initially to the modeling aspect i think till modeling clinicians can manage to begin with maybe later on you can source it out but i think one has to know that much that absolutely is for sure. absolutely so one should be able to um, uh, um, one should be uh, tech savvy enough to be able to you know uh, uh do the goods uh, do the segmentation as well as the design process uh, entirely and also i think it's important to know a little bit about the hardware and um maintaining your machines and some amount of problem solving also uh, in between because you, you may or not always have technical support on hand and if suppose you have a clinical case that's really urgent and you know the machine has your printer has a minor fault it should be if, if you have the knack and the aptitude to solve some of the minor problems yourself it's very helpful especially in the beginning <laughs> so i think i have learned a lot along the way yeah i think i have learned a lot that's, that's really nice to know uh, but then i would wanted to ask that you must have developed a team by now yes so my team essentially comprises of the clinical team comprises of uh, myself and my cranial maxillofacial colleagues uh, especially dr pramod and dr arjun who, who extensively use uh, 3d printing for their for their clinical work so we are the the lead clinical team and along with that we have uh, helps from some of our technical assistants who are essentially derived from our own staff who we have trained uh, for working within the lab by, by telling wow. them what uh, how to maintain these uh, devices and how to do the post processing it's essentially been people that we have trained but we are also looking to get somebody in um, uh, full time as uh, as uh, as the technical lead for the lab because now the workload as the workload is growing we we need uh, somebody with specialized experience in 3d printing hardware and software to be here a uh, full time so hopefully yes we are planning to grow into that yeah okay so how do you cover the cost and you know uh, because the expenses uh, associated with 3d printing are additional to what uh, we do other than the surgery so how do you cover that portion um fortunately um yes the equipment has become cheaper over the or less expensive over the years so so that's been a, a good impetus for us to be able to get our printers in so the desktop 3d printers have not been very expensive we have an ultimaker 3 and form labs printers uh, each of which costs about about 4 lakhs uh, of indian rupees and uh, i had to pitch strongly with my hospital administration to get the hardware in expensive part and um, uh, we have the fda approved materialized software which is expensive on an annual lease yeah so um these are things that for which the institution really needs to uh, to have a buy in and uh, getting the institutional buy in is a challenge for us as clinicians so for that i had to really um, demonstrate uh, um, the utility of 3d printing in our hospital environment so when we did our first few cases we talked about it we wrote about it we published the information uh, in peer review journals and we also presented it at some of the uh, major innovation uh, uh, meetings so in 2016 um, uh, our initial 3d printing work was recognized and felicitated at the uh, president house in new delhi as wow. being among the top uh, 25 of the uh, innovations in healthcare 
and and the same year we were also awarded the fiki award for innovations in uh, in in medical technology it was the healthcare excellence wow, that's award that's great so with all these things we had a better case when we went to the administration saying that see we have this and this is the future of medicine this is how medicine is going to be Definitely. personalized medicine it's going to be very patient specific medicine and 3d printing is really going to be a game changer so as a leading in medical institution we need to invest into it so um, right. so that commitment has to be there from the team we have to be convinced that, that yes this is going to make a big difference and we need to provide the proof of concept to our respective institution and convince the administrators that yes this is something that it is something that is really worth investing in and um, so with with all of that effort um, my institution really uh, uh invested in this gave me dedicated physical space uh, uh brought in the 3d printers and the software and it's been a step wise process initially we had the software but not the hardware and so we would do all the segmentation and designing here but we would outsource the prints to third third party print uh, uh, 3d printing service providers which had come up by then but subsequently we uh, brought in the printers in house which made the biggest difference because the turnaround time really comes right. down we have a baby that comes in in the middle of the night and requires a complex right. the very next day so we can go from imaging to printing to surgery in that overnight space of time having a, a poc lab so that makes a big difference and that's a blessing for those uh, for the patients in a in a way absolutely because absolutely. you can do it very fast yeah yes. and so but then uh, i was wondering that uh, do you charge the patients for that uh, i mean are the patients charged separately for 3d printing because not all cases would require 3d printing yes so is that a separate cost to the patient so yes we have a costing system for the patients and uh, we have uh, kept the costing very low because we understand that most of the patients especially in our environment are from a low resource uh, family environment so uh, it's so the costs of 3d printing are extremely subsidized at our uh, uh, at our institution so printing a heart which otherwise prior to having a poc lab here would cost tens of thousands of rupees to lakhs of rupees now we are printing out hearts for as low as 2000 rupees 5000 rupees which is which is okay. affordable for wow. most families and if you look at yes. cranial maxillofacial prints also mandibles maxilla they hardly cost the patient about 3000 rupees which is very affordable for the patients and in many a situation we also wrote some grants so we has had some grant money also so in situations where uh, either the patient was not able to afford or the purpose of the 3d printing went beyond just the clinical care it also was to for 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 the purpose of research and development and teaching and training in those cases we were able to use our grant money to uh, uh, do it okay. but yes uh, as of now in india because uh, most of the medical care is uh, you know self expenditure very few people are covered by comprehensive insurances yeah. so in india medical healthcare uh, costs are borne by the patients themselves so yes 3d printing costs are also largely borne by the patients in most cases we try to keep the costs really low and i am and i do feel that the cost will keep coming down because materials are becoming cheaper and software hardware yes. everything is becoming cheaper and when we are doing it in house we have a, our own way of regulating the cost so that makes a big difference cost, exactly. and add to that the fact that we are actually saving a lot of patient cost because with the help of 3d prints we are able to do our surgeries or procedures so much more accurately 
with so much lesser surgical time, less morbidity, less blood loss, shorter stay in the ICU, shorter stay in the hospital. So eventually, the patient as well as the institution is paying enormous amounts of money. Enormous amount. Yeah. Exactly. So we, exactly. So we are taking data on that, and we are trying to validate this whole thing as to how how does it how do the costs differ if we use 3D printing in certain procedures versus we don't. So we are in the process of, you know, providing objective data on that. But it's very clearly it saves enormous amounts of costs of patient care at the end of the day. Exactly. And not only for the patient, I think for the doctor itself, it's like it's a huge advantage for the doctor as well. I mean, we kind of ignore that, but that is again, that's also there. <laughs> no doubt. Absolutely. I think it's the biggest advantage for the doctor because it makes yeah. life so much simpler for so us. So simple. Because, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can see it, as you can the, feel it, you can take the decision so yeah. fast. Oh, yes. As an interventional cardiologist, when I go into the, the cath lab for a complex heart procedure, I'm just looking at a flat panel angiographic screen while I'm twiddling catheters inside the veins and the arteries and everything is just dependent upon my spatial understandings. But when I'm going into the case after having actually handled the 3D model, my fingers work automatically because I know exactly how the anatomy is, exactly how I need to manipulate my hardware in order to get there. So it makes um, life uh, so much simpler for us in mm -hmm. understanding patient pathology, communicating between ourselves, and finally operating uh, or doing an intervention. Right. So uh, what do you think? I don't think so many doctors would be like you or so many clinicians would be like you who would be involved totally in the entire process. Usually the ones who actually start the technology somewhere or kind of take it like a research uh, thing, those are the ones who actually get so deeper into the technology. But what do you think is the role of uh, generally of a clinician uh, when one has to actually use the technology? Where do you find the real, uh, I mean, a place where, you know, nobody else can replace a surgeon's place? What is that place in the entire uh, workflow, you can say, uh, that a surgeon has? Um, see, at the end of the day, the surgeon is responsible for the patient's life, right? So the patient, it is the responsibility of the surgeon to perform a surgery or a procedure to, in the best possible manner, in the safest possible manner. So where this technology serves as a huge enabler is in, in, in uh, providing that substrate to the surgeon in formulating his surgical plans and his strategies right down to the last detail. So this technology really puts uh, the understanding right there. So that's a huge advantage that surgeons and uh, interventionists get from this technology. When we speak to experienced surgeons, those who have had 20, 20, 30 years of experience, their first response is that we don't need anything like this. We've been operating for decades. We don't need a, a model to tell us what we're going to find inside. And we can go ahead and do this by ourselves. But the very same surgeons, once it's very hard to sell technology to a surgeon like very justifiably, so they're very confident in their abilities and in their experience. Uh, but at the same time, when you do present a surgeon with an opportunity to use this technology, even they come back thoroughly convinced because it takes them also by surprise because no matter how vast an experience you may have, the human body has so much of diversity and there's Complex. so many complexities and each individual is different and surgical surprises happen all the time. 
Whereas here, with the aid of this technology, you are able to take that to a large extent out of the equation, and the surgeon goes in really well prepared. So the next time, the same surgeon asks again for the three D print. Can I have a three D print yet again? So yeah, exactly. That's how point of care centers have been developed. Yes. <laughs> They developed like that yes. only. And it is definitely hard to uh, pitch it. at the first go because doctors first say are quite reluctant to adopt new technology or new techniques but uh, i think they once they uh, learn the utility of something and data supports what they're trying to do then they are uh, quick to adopt it into their regular practice also uh, now with the younger breed of uh, surgeons or doctors in training it it it's really cutting down the the learning curve because uh, you can really uh, uh, understand better and pick up the skills so much better because nowadays you don't really get uh, morphology museums in the olden days you could take out organs and preserve them and you could have the trainee doctors practice on them in uh, nowadays it, it's not that easy so hardly anybody has very few centers in the world have got morphology museums of their own where they have true specimens whereas um, you have image scans of literally every pathology possible in the world on sitting in workstations sitting exactly. idle in workstations yeah <laughs> them out into the into the real world realm by 3d printing them out in all kind of materials including Models. realistic materials which yeah. are you know pretty much like the organ themselves it makes a huge difference to to people i think uh, the doctors of tomorrow would uh, learn uh, the anatomical complexity much much better and much more quickly with the help of these three different models yeah very true so now i'd like to come to the present scenario which is uh, the pandemic so uh, of course i did hear that uh, you utilized your center for the pandemic and i would really like to hear it from you how did you use your center during the time of the pandemic that's a very interesting question ruchi because um, the in the pandemic the world over the clinical work had really you know slowed down and in some specialties even ground to a halt and even as us as doctors we were you know uh, working on shifts we were on for 7 days off for 7 days so uh, many of the hospitals the footfall had really fallen and also there was this overwhelming sense of fear and concern and uh, you know a lot of precautions care etc being taken so paradoxically during the pandemic here uh, at the 3d lab in amrita the 3d lab actually became a center of or hub of activity because you know the, wow. the, because the technology itself inspired some kind of you know sense of innovation and sense of adventure and creativity right. so we began to have uh, mini hackathons right here in the lab so oh. <laughs> and it was wow. a unique time because different specialists from different backgrounds uh, they didn't have that much clinical work but everybody had the shared concern how to what can they do to mitigate the effects of the pandemic so right here in the, i'm actually sitting in the 3d lab here in amrita and uh, we used to assemble here and we used to discuss ideas of on on the things that could be done we anticipated problems like the shortage of uh, ppe that was going to come because we, i'm talking about the times in february march when the pandemic was just starting right that is a point of time started. when we didn't have enough pp in the country we were worried where would we get the n95 masks where would we get protective gear for our doctors and our nurses and um, the 3d printing community uh, globally i think played a huge role in the pandemic at that time. huge difference because exactly. uh, the exactly. face shields and uh, 3d printed face masks uh, ventilators ideas that started being bounced about in the 3d printing community right at the beginning of the of the pandemic 
and uh, some of these uh, models were already available for free download so one could be sitting anywhere in the world and yeah all the designs, the designs were, were there, there on the internet yes. all yes. designs everything yes. was so there so we began by downloading some of those designs and seeing what we could do and soon we were producing our face shields much much before the face shields actually came into the market we were producing our own face shields we had a team of people working round the clock here in the lab we started to design our own face shields design our own masks and design our own equipment we we designed and built parts for uh, uh, for uh, for ventilator uh, fittings for um, uh, other airway support systems and personal protective gear so even the mask that i have on me right now was prototyped right here in in the 3d printing lab Great. and we were able to provide so much wow. of equipment to our hospital staff so much before that you know devices became available in the market so that not only added to the safety of the staff in our uh, own hospital but it it brought about a much greater sense of awareness among all the staff members on because all of us became champions in 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 you know promoting yes. safety measures and personal protective gear So and I think it's a matter of pride also. It 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 kind of makes you feel very proud of yourself of having the lab there right in the Absolutely. hospital and not having that deprivation which people were suffering at Absolutely. that time. Absolutely, because see, with the lockdown, it was not possible for you to go to the to the market and buy something, right? So and exactly. uh, we were able to create something new sitting right here using materials and machines that we had. and uh, it was an incredible time and i think it's spilling over even now and uh, i think that was uh, really exciting and i think we made really good use of the 3d lab during the pandemic we printed out hundreds and hundreds of pieces of uh, personal protective equipment during that time wow and i think you are one of the labs and and one of the only labs i think in india who did it because here i am in uk at the moment but here there was a huge i mean there was such a commotion of all of these things everything was available on the internet but i was seeing that in india because we don't have so many uh, point of care Absolutely. centers and so uh, yours was one of them who was doing it and other than that uh, there are only like service providers and a lot right. of service providers were not doing it because right. you know because of the the time that it was so yes. uh, that was a proud moment for your uh, team indeed, i should say indeed, yes <laughs> yeah so thank you so much and uh, i lastly i would like to ask you is there anything i didn't ask you and you would like to communicate with the people listening well i think you covered most of the aspects of you know what it takes to build a 3d lab here and i think what i would like to say to the listeners is that uh, technology is a great uh, equalizer or a leveler so when we talk about 3d printing technology or other such technologies like what's coming up like you know ai be it virtual reality or augmented reality so these technologies are huge levelers it doesn't mean it, it's not necessary that these uh developments and innovations will only happen in the western world or in the developed countries this can be done right here in india it can be done in africa it can be done in vietnam any place all that you need is uh, enthusiasm and zest for it and these technologies are right here within our reach and it depends upon us to really uh, exactly. you know use it and capitalize upon it so i think uh, this part of the world will lead some of these technological fields uh from here on and uh, it is up to us to uh, invent and reinvent newer ways of using these technologies i think we will make a big difference to these to how these technologies shape up 100%. in the future 
exactly very true and i mean it's just a matter of uh, embracing these technologies and then just taking them forward absolutely so, yeah, definitely yes yeah. thank you very much and for being there and for the kind words uh pleasure ruchi hope to see you again hope to meet you sometime <laughs> thank okay. you and all the best all the best to you thank you that was such an incredible conversation i'm sure you must have learned a lot what i like best uh, when dr mahesh said surgical surprises happen all the time isn't that true so let's implement i hope you are enjoying the varied conversations that we are having in this podcast and before i end let me tell you that next week i'm taking you to the tel aviv medical center which is a 3d printing laboratory in israel and uh, join me for another significant and uh, insightful conversation at one of the amazing centers in israel so see you next week until then stay safe and live with passion life is a work in progress what matters at the end is the journey 